Thank you, Tom. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, many of you know who I am. I'm Pastor Sarah Carlin. I'm the Arts and Communications Pastor here at City Church. I'm not always up here because if you know what I do here, I'm usually up there. <laughs> and when I do get up here, um, I like to get an opportunity to do something that's really important to me. There are a ton of people every Sunday morning and Sunday night up there who work really hard to make sure our services function. <laughs> yeah. They're waving at me. So thank you to my producers, my camera people, my video producers, my audio recording people, the sound people, the computer people, all the people up there who tirelessly work kind of behind the scenes. And the hard thing about working in tech ministry is people usually only notice when you, you when something goes wrong. <laughs> so I thank God for them and their willingness to work with me and create a team. So I wanted to say thank you to them. As the arts and communications pastor, one of the things that's really important to me, just in life, I think it's why God kind of created me who I am and why I'm in arts and communications is because stories are really important to me. They're really like a crucial part of how I view the world. I think that above all, and all the things that I do, I am a storyteller. Whether I'm preaching, teaching, directing theater, acting on stage, all of the artistic things I do, or trying to help people put together a bulletin or an ad for the newspaper, or the various things that are a part of my job, it's all about storytelling. Because I think God created stories for us. Scripture is his story, his gift to us. And I don't mean story in the sense of when we're little kids and it's a fairy tale but stories that are full of truth, how God expresses himself to us. And it's such a great gift he's given us and it's something that's really important to me. And that truth that we can find in every story is something that's really important. And so this week I am really excited because my favorite story of all time is what I get to remember and talk about this week because it's Holy Week. The story of Holy Week, the story of the gospel, is what we're gonna talk about this morning. And I just get excited about this story because it's the greatest story ever told. And it's just something that I think sometimes at this time of year we can get kind of caught up in our busy lives and it's just another week. Or for those of you who have kids or something, it's spring break, right? So we can have maybe a little different pace and we have fun. We have Easter so we get to be with family. And all of those things are great. But um, sometimes in the midst of all of that, we forget that this is the week we celebrate the greatest thing that ever happened in all of history. And I wanna just talk about that story briefly, but also kind of some insights that I feel like God has been working in my heart and life the past year in regards to that story. And to start off with, I'm just gonna kind of run through Holy Week for you, not because I don't think you know, but because I wanna just share some things that mean something to me. When I was little, um, we went to a Lutheran church, and so it was a little more traditional, so we had services for all of these days. And I remember, we talked about it actually in prayer this morning, when I was really little, we'd get palm branches. Did any of you have that, where you go to church and you get palm branches? And it was awesome, because you had no idea what you were doing, but you had a palm branch, you know? So it was cool, and so that was Palm Sunday, which is today. 
the celebration of the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. And just to give us that feel, I put some little palm trees, you know, branches, they're not quite the same, but it gives us that feel of that triumphal entry, that celebration, Hosanna to the King of David. And when I was younger too, we would go on Thursday to a Monday Thursday service, or sometimes it's called Holy Thursday. And if you've ever been a part of that service, it's kind of commemorating what happened in the upper room. And so you have communion, and sometimes there'd be washing of feet, because that is something that happened in that portion of Holy Week. And then in a traditional church, at the end, they strip the altar of all the vestments of the year. That idea that they're preparing for Good Friday, they're stripping the church of the beautiful things that um, are there every year, those beautiful cloth and the various things that we see. And then we come to Good Friday. I think as a child, I didn't understand the Good Friday service as much as it seemed like it was odd that we went to church at three in the afternoon instead of, you know, Sunday morning. And um, as I've come older, become older, this service, the Good Friday service has become a very important part of my life. The fact that we take time to contemplate Christ's suffering and pain and sorrow and, and what that means to us. And then there's Vigil Saturday. It's called Holy Saturday. There's actually lots of names for all these days. This is an unusual day for people because you kind of like, I don't know what I do between Good Friday and Easter. Usually we, you know, go shopping and get ready for Easter brunch, <laughs> that kind of thing. But the idea of that Saturday is that we're waiting for something. It's to remember Christ in the grave and we're waiting for the light to return on Easter morning and that celebration and we move into Easter. And that idea at the break of dawn, light returning to the church, returning to our lives and the celebration of the resurrection and the power that that has in our lives for cleansing us bringing salvation and restoring us into a relationship with God. So I love this week. I try to do things every year to help me remember it because I'm not in a liturgical church and I'm okay with that, but sometimes I wanna say, okay, I'm not gonna make this just another week because this week's important. Sometimes I, um, you know, I'll do a devotional or this year I do this quite often. I put a playlist of music together and I listen to that music and try to kind of track through the week allowing myself, because music is something that speaks to me. So I think it's something that I wish at times our American culture did a little differently. Things change over the years. But I think it's so important, so that's why we're gonna talk about the story of Holy Week and a theme that I think is something that we don't always focus on when we talk about Holy Week. So in this story, I want to talk about a main theme that we're going to focus on, like I said, that maybe isn't as usual. I, if you know me, I am a director. I direct theater here at Abundant Life Christian School, outside of here, here at church. And when I'm directing a story, the first thing we do is we take out the play or the musical and I read through it. I spend a ton of time with it. And we find in theater what we call the spine of the story or the main overarching theme of the story and you pull that out as a director. And then you go through the rest of the story and you think, what do I wanna share out of this main theme? And usually something comes to light. And it might be different for different directors, but usually it's what we land on to create the vision for our show. 
and it's what we land on that we think, I wanna take the audience to take this away. I want them to think differently about this show than maybe they have in the past. And it pretty much drives everything we do. So what I usually do for my actors, because I want them on the same page, my designers, I create a phrase or a word that I give them so that they can latch on to that and say, okay, this is what this show is about. This is what this story is about. Everything we do in the story is like comes out of this theme. And so it's really helpful because it helps us make decisions as directors, designers, and actors because everything has to serve the story. Everything has to serve that theme. And for example, we're doing, uh, working on Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella at ALCS right now, so our theme for Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella is it's possible, and the word possibilities. And if you notice, myself, some of the students, directors, designer, people are wearing a necklace with a P on it because it's helping us to remember it's possible. And that helps us tell the story that we want to tell in Cinderella. Well, this morning I'm going to give you a phrase that I think is something that I want to give you as a director or a storyteller, as a vision for the story of Holy Week. And that phrase is beauty out of pain. You see, in the past year, like many of you, I've experienced great pain in many ways. And something since Lent of last year, God has been working in my life and my heart is how do I view the pain and the sorrow that I experience and how do I see his beauty in the midst of it? It's an ongoing thing that we as humans experience. And so this morning I want to talk about and view the story of Holy Week out of the theme, beauty out of pain. This story applies to us and we can see that as we watch and understand the story of Holy Week, it really is something that attaches to our own lives. If you think about pain and suffering, which much of the story includes, it's human, right? We all experience pain and suffering. This is something that we can understand. And that's one of the greatest things about telling a story as a director, is I find what can my audience attach to, what will help them connect with the story. It's not just some fun piece of entertainment we're doing. We want them to walk away being transformed because the truth in a story transforms us. And so we want to apply it to our lives. We want the story of Holy Week to apply to our lives. And I think it does in so many ways, but today we're first gonna talk about pain and suffering. Or maybe pain and sorrow is the best way to say it. Because I think the word suffering becomes something that we detach from because we don't quite understand it in our culture. But we understand what sorrow feels like. And we understand what pain is. And this story can help us to look at that differently. Because it's the greatest one and it can transform and teach us, inspire us to live differently in a way that no other story can. So first I'm gonna look at our main character, it's Jesus. And that's the coolest thing about this story is that God is the main character. And Jesus came down to earth for the express purpose of this salvation. God with us to change everything to show us beauty out of pain. I wanna say that Jesus' entire mission in his ministry and in this holy week is to bring beauty out of pain. In the scripture, in Luke, we see that Jesus goes out into the desert, he's tempted, he comes back and he's about to start his ministry and he goes into the synagogue 
and he stands up in the synagogue and he reads a scripture. And Pastor Tom actually has already referred to the scripture. And in Luke 4, 18 and 19, I'm gonna read you what he, what we see in Luke, but then we're gonna read Isaiah 61 as well. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and the time of the Lord's favor has come. I think that was Jesus standing up and going, here I am, here's what's gonna happen. And not because he was great, but because the Father was great. And he was going to fulfill what the Father had wanted all along for him to come and to change everything. He was referencing Isaiah 61, and here's Isaiah 61, one through three. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks, that the Lord has planted for his own glory. It's such a beautiful picture of Jesus's mission when he is here to bring beauty out of pain because he's gonna bring the good news, comfort, freedom, joyous blessing out of poverty, brokenness, captivity, and mourning. He's going to bring beauty for ashes. He's going to bring beauty out of pain. And at the beginning of his ministry, he proclaims this. And in the story of Holy Week, we see him live it out. Our main character, Jesus, is gonna live out the plot of the story and show us that theme of beauty out of pain. He experienced great, great pain and sorrow in this week that we call Holy Week. But there are also pains and sorrows we experience in our own lives. So I could just go through the events of Holy Week and we'd hear a story that we're very familiar with, but to shed a different light on it, to perhaps focus on our theme and cause us to look at things a little differently. Instead of just going through the list of what happened, I wanna focus on five areas of pain and sorrow that we experience as humans that I believe Jesus experienced during this week. And it is a place where we can see that Jesus experienced the same pain and sorrow we experience every day, and it becomes very relevant to our lives. So let's look at pain and sorrow in these areas. You can see up on the screen that I've got five areas. And what I'd like to do is just give an example in the Holy Week story of these areas and then talk about it a little bit in our own lives so that we can understand how these ideas of pain and sorrow connect to us and how beauty comes out of our pain. So the first one you see there is disappointment. And disappointment is something I think we all recognize as a word, and maybe we don't think of that as a pain and sorrow, but I think at the beginning of the story of Holy Week, it's very strong. We see that Jesus is preparing for something that is coming that I can imagine is <laughs> extremely difficult for him. And he gathers his best friends, the people he's been walking with for a few years now, the people who are closest to him, the people he's been teaching, and he wants to spend time with them. 
I, I believe that perhaps out of that comes some comfort for him, but also just he knew what he was about. He knew that he needed to impart these things to them. They were so crucial. So he invites them up to an upper room and they eat together, which is why I believe eating together, sitting at a table together is so important for community. And he eats with them. And we know that this is where communion comes from for us. The remembrance of Christ's death and what happened and salvation that comes out of that. And he lifts the bread and he has the cup and he talks to them. And then he, in there too, depending on how you, which gospel you're reading, he washes their feet. He takes time as a servant to them to wash their feet. And they say, we should be washing yours, but he says, let me do this. And he washes their feet. And the thing is, he knows during that time that things aren't gonna stay that way. And they go out to the garden, and in the garden, he says, will you watch and pray with me? I'm gonna go over here, could you watch and pray? And he goes, and, I, and we know from the story, the things that he is going through, he, he's praying to God and it says, your will will not mine be done, but if you could let this pass, could you? You know, uh, this, this pain and sorrow he's feeling, and then he turns back and those best friends, the people he just served, are sleeping. They're asleep. They're not waiting and watching. He's going through the biggest thing he could go through in his human life, and his friends are sleeping. I can only imagine that that there's a great amount of disappointment and pain that comes from that. And he says, couldn't you wait even an hour with me? And that disappointment and sorrow and pain is something that we all understand as well. I know that I have felt in my life in many times that disappointment, right? Where that person or that situation doesn't go the way I want it to. We just want things to be different. It could just be different. It doesn't seem like there's anything else we have to do. Why can't it just be different? And we experience the pain and sorrow of disappointment. And then next in the story, we see the pain and the sorrow of betrayal. As you know, as the story goes on, Judas, one of the people who has been in that upper room with him, who had walked with him for years, who he loved, betrays him, turns him over for money to be arrested and taken away. And to have someone walk up to you in that place with people behind whom are about to arrest you and see you in, look you in the eye and kiss you on the cheek as the symbol of the betrayal. I can't imagine anyone doing that. I can't imagine the pain that that would cause. And we see that he is betrayed. And in the heat of that, Peter gets excited and he pulls out a sword and he lops off somebody's ear. And what does Jesus do? In the middle of his pain and his sorrow, he doesn't just let that go, he heals. Because out of pain comes beauty. And he heals that man. In the midst of his pain and his sorrow, he heals. And we experience this as well, right? People betray us. Sometimes it's actual betrayal, sometimes it just feels like betrayal, but people betray us. We trust them and something happens 
and we don't feel like we can trust them anymore, and it causes great pain and great sorrow. And as we move on into the story, we experience the pain and the sorrow of isolation and loneliness. So Jesus is taken away, he's put in trial, and as he's in trial, he's maybe got these followers are kind of following around. We know that Peter and perhaps others were kind of trying to see what was gonna happen and figure it out. But in the middle of that, after he had already experienced disappointment and betrayal, he experiences something different. Complete isolation and loneliness because they're not there. What happens, we know in the story, is that Peter, even Peter the Rock, the one who's supposed to be there, right? The one who has said, I'm not gonna deny you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I'm gonna, and he says, feed my sheep. And we know all these stories. But what happens is Peter denies him. And he doesn't just deny him once. He denies him three times. And Jesus is left in isolation and loneliness before people who want to kill him. We experience isolation and loneliness too. Sometimes it's because people leave us, or sometimes it just is because we feel abandoned. There might be people around us, but there are times, situations, and moments where we feel abandoned. We feel alone. We understand at some level what Jesus might have been feeling, but I think at a greater level he understands what we feel. And then the story continues, and we see the area of pain and sorrow, which is physical pain. Great, great physical pain. If you've seen various movies where they portray this portion of the story, it's really hard for me to watch because I, I, I can't comprehend how much he was beaten, how they put him on a cross and they nailed him to a cross. I, I don't know what that kind of pain is like. I don't. The physical pain he, he bore, I can't, I can't even imagine that. In, he's alone in the middle of all of that. And we have physical pain too. <laughs> there are so many of us who have experienced all sorts of physical pain and sometimes it's temporary but it's great pain. We all know what it's like at least to be sick. Some of you experience physical pain on a daily basis, chronic pain. So you know what physical pain is like. Well, how that makes you feel and the pain and the sorrow that comes from that. And then as we finish the story, or at least this portion of what I'm going to tell of the story, there's loss and separation the pain and sorrow of loss and separation. Because he actually does die physically, so there's that loss, but before that point, he loses, he's separated from God. I, I don't even, I mean I can't, my human mind can't even comprehend how that works because we're always trying to figure out in theology, you know, what the incarnation's about and God and man and how does this work, I, and I, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't completely understand the mystery of all of that. How God himself is killed and separated from God, 
But I know, having experienced God, being separated from him is the worst thing possible that I can think of. I mean, the worst thing. <laughs> I'd rather have physical death than separation from God. To me, that's hell. And so, to be separated from your father, from Father God, in that moment that you bear all of the sin of the world, I don't know how to comprehend that pain and sorrow. At some level, we do in our human lives comprehend it because we do understand what separation and loss is like. We lose people very dear to us to death. Sometimes we lose people very dear to us not to physical death, but to other things. We know what separation is like. Even good separation, separation because a family member moves to the other side of the country or whatever, but there's pain and there's sorrow in that. And so we see the pain and the sorrow that comes out of these five areas. And perhaps it sheds a different light on the story because it makes me wonder <laughs> at the pain and sorrow in our human lives, but also think, oh my goodness, God gets it. Jesus gets it way more than I can even understand any one of you or your pain and sorrow, or you can understand mine. And in reflecting on this for the last year has taught me some things. So I want to tell you a little bit of a quick story about some of my own pain and sorrow. And I don't mean that to be a downer because it's not. <laughs> but I could tell you an example in my life from all of these areas, and I'm sure you could too. But I'm going to focus on one particular area that I dealt with quite a bit last year. And it was actually during the time of Lent, um, end of February last year that it started, which is partly why I've been caused to think about this and it's been in my heart. I'm gonna talk a little bit about physical pain. The reason I have also chosen this particular one is because I actually, my, most of my life haven't had much physical pain. You know, I've had pain, general pain, like everyone else and sickness and um, had surgery once and had my gallbladder out. That was painful, that whole process. <laughs> not to actually, I mean, besides the surgery, if you've ever had gallbladder stuff, it's not fun. Anyway, but that was temporary, right? It ended. Well, after last year, at the end of February, um, well, maybe middle of February, I started to experience really excruciating, and I mean bad pain, in my knee, my right knee. And at the time, I was like, I don't know, maybe I need to go to a chiropractor, and then I'm out of whack. I don't know what's going on. And I was like, it'll go away. It didn't. So it was really odd because it just got worse and worse. And then my other knee started hurting, which I was like, that's weird. You know. And long, I'm not going to tell you all the medical side of things. If you care, you can ask me later. <laughs> but all that to say, for six months, I experienced pain constantly every single day. It never went away. It hardly ever lessened. I, if you know where my office is, which is way up there, going upstairs was like killing me. <laughs> and I go up a lot of stairs here. <laughs> and I couldn't sit very long. I couldn't stand very long. I couldn't put my leg up. I couldn't, and it was both knees, so, you know. And I just thought, well, this is going to go away, you know. And it didn't for six months, every single day, I had pain. 
And for those of you now who have chronic pain, I have such a different perspective. <laughs> and God bless you, because it's hard. And it's not just about the physical pain, it's about what it does to you, you know? It was like my mind wasn't clear. I was directing two shows during that time. <laughs> it was like I was doing Oklahoma here at school, which started in February and ended in May, and then Joseph out in Oregon, which started in June and ended in August. So the entire time, I was in pain. I was also trying to direct shows and do all those things. And as I continued on in this particular state, I thought, I can't do this anymore. And I went to a church and I visited a church in Minnesota where my um, niece goes and they, they did something at Lent that I had never done before. They lamented. I was like, well, this is cool. They gave us five steps to lamenting. We lamented. And in that process of lamenting, we kind of just, I had a new discovery that, oh, I can kind of let some of these things that run around my heart go, and it was great. But then I was like, I didn't worry. That was actually the end of February, so the pain wasn't too bad, right? Because it just started and it was going to go away. <laughs> yeah, by a month or so later when it hadn't gone away, I was like, oh, wait. I'm in pain. <laughs> and, and so I, I sat down and I was, remember I was praying, I thought, oh, I remember that lament thing they did. I wonder if that would be a helpful process just to kind of clear my mind. So I pulled out my notebook and I, start, I ran um, over to a coffee shop. I don't know why I thought going to a public place to do a lament was a good idea because it wasn't. Um, so I take my notebook and my Bible and I'm like getting my notes out and I'm gonna share those five steps with you in a minute, but I, I'm there and I'm going through the first step, which is great, you know, and get to the second and the third. And by that point, I'm crying all over my paper and I'm thinking, what are these poor people thinking next to me? Because here's this lady over here crying in the middle of the coffee shop. So I'm just like, okay, we can't go anywhere to lament anymore that's public. Because <laughs> I, I didn't think it would do what it did because it revealed my pain and sorrow in such a way that it was really hard to bear, but it also taught me something. In the middle of a pain and sorrow, when we can't see beauty, we lament. And lamenting's biblical. That was the coolest part of it, because like, have you read the Psalms? <laughs> it's like laments all over the place. And Jesus even lamented. And you know, why have you forsaken me? And, it was such a freeing thing because this process of a lamenting allowed me to look at my pain and suffering in a different light, and it allowed me to see something new, beauty that could come from it. So I'm gonna give you those steps, those lamenting steps. There's five parts of a lament, and in it I'm gonna use Psalm 22 because that psalm feels like the very words of Jesus on the cross to me. And also a little bit of my lament. I'm gonna read you little portions out of my journal um, so you can see how I was dealing with this lament of being in physical pain. The first step is to address who God is. And in Psalm 22, one, and then verse two, we see um, the start. My God, my God. 
Now, that doesn't seem like a whole lot of addressing God. In this particular lament, this portion's really short. (laughs) If you look at some of the other Psalms, there's actually several verses of addressing God. But this particular one is just, my God, my God. What I love about the shortness of that is like sometimes when you're in pain, that's all you can get out, right? But I'm acknowledging, you're my God. (laughs) God? (laughs) And that's the first part of a lament. Address who God is. This is out of my journal from that day. Lord, you are my God. You are creator, father, and king above all. I ascribe glory to you, not because of what you have done for me, but simply because of who you are. That's hard in the middle of pain to say, to acknowledge who God is. I said a lot more, but that was the starting point. And then the second step in the lament to God is an actual lament. (laughs) And this is where we tell God what's going on. How are we feeling? In Psalm 22, one through two, we see it very clearly. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift up my voice, but I find no relief. That's a lament, isn't it? I just can't go on. I can't, I can't continue in this pain and this sorrow. This is how I feel. This is out of my journal from that day. Lord, I find it difficult to even express how I feel. I'm tired, weary of the pain. I feel so sad, spent, and alone today. I am spent, I'm done. And that's how I felt in that moment in that day because it had been enough pain. And again, for those of you who have pain far worse than I had and for longer times, I pray for you (laughs) because I was done. I had enough of this. I can't carry on with my life because I'm in pain all the time. And then we move on to the third step of the lament, confession of trust in God. Does anybody know that when you're in pain, this is a hard one, right? Psalm 22, three through five. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and they were never disgraced. That proclamation, okay, God, here's where I'm at, but I I trust in you. I remember what's happened in the past. I remember your faithfulness. I don't feel your faithfulness right now, but I remember it. We trusted in you in the past. I'm going to trust in you now. This is my trust, part of my trust portion of my lament that day. I'm confessing trust in you because I hope that it will change how I feel right now. I know many things, I know your promises, but I don't feel that way right now. It's not very good trusting, is it? <laughs> that was more like, I'm just like, I'm gonna trust you because you say I have to and this lament thing is making me write this. That's how I felt. <laughs> so I'm confessing my trust in you because I hope it's gonna change something. <laughs> it did get better <laughs> as the time went on as I continued to write. In the later portion, here's a piece of that. I trust you love me enough to give me physical, tangible evidence of your love because you have done that before. So in the midst of our pain and our sorrow, and we address who God is, we lament, we say, this is where I'm at, this is how I feel, this is what's going on, but then we trust. 
We say you have been faithful and I will trust in you. I will trust because I know you and who you are. I mentioned that at the beginning, I know who you are despite what's going on. And then we move to the fourth part of our lament, a request of God to act. Sometimes this is the part we jump to first. Could you just change something? But I think there's an important reason why there's this process. Psalm 22, 19. Oh Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength, come quickly to my aid. Because this psalm reminds me of Jesus on the cross and that, oh God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And then this part, don't stay away from me, don't separate yourself from me. Come help me, please help me. I can't imagine that kind of a cry from the cross. Here's my lament from the day that I was at the coffee shop. So will you please heal me? Or bring me relief? (laughs) Even some help and direction? Strength to get through the day and not snap at people and say things I wish I hadn't. Could you help? (laughs) Because at that point, it wasn't just about the pain, the physical pain. Yes, could you heal me? Could you even just, even give me some little bit of relief? Because I know what it's doing to me. I know how it's changing my attitude. I know how it's making it hard to do the things I'm supposed to be doing. When I sit in the morning and I'm just like, just conserve energy so you can make it through the rest of the day. And that's when we ask for help in our lament. Could you change something, please? Could you come to my aid? And then there's the last step, which is the most important step of the lament. We give praise to God. In the middle of our pain and our suffering and asking what we want, we give praise to God. And if we thought the trusting part was hard, I think this is even harder (laughs) because I don't want to give praise to God because nothing's happened because I want to change. I I am feeling disappointment and nothing's changed and I'm feeling physical pain and because of how it makes me feel, I feel isolated and alone and in all my pain and sorrow, the last thing I want to do is praise God. Psalm 22, 25 to 26. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. And here is my lament. Lord, I praise you because you know me even better than I know myself. I praise you for your wondrous love for me. I praise you for the mystery you are, and yet how you also want to be intimate with me. I know you will help me, even on the days I don't feel like you will. I praise you. So last year, during those six months of pain, I learned to lament. And I came back to this because it wasn't just this, you know, after about August, September, when the pain was leaving and Everything was getting figured out, and praise God, I am not in pain today, (laughs) and I haven't been for many months. Yeah. (laughs) And, but this process has caused me to remember that when I'm feeling pain and sorrow, whether it's disappointment, betrayal, loneliness, any of those things, loss, separation, sometimes there's a time to lament. And the really great thing about this lamenting process is it doesn't leave you in your pain and sorrow. It takes you to a place of beauty. 
it changes you. It causes you to live differently. I love that the last piece is that part about praising God because it doesn't leave you, right, in asking for help. It doesn't leave you to dwell on your pain and sorrow and what you need and wallow in it or think about it. It, it changes your focus. It changes your focus to give God glory, to bring glory to him. Because in the story of Holy Week, the whole purpose of Jesus' pain and sorrow was to bring glory to God and to bring about something that is brand new and powerful and able to restore hope. I have found that when I lament, the process allows me to give glory to God in the midst of pain. Because sometimes we sing songs like, blessed be your name, and we're like, okay, when you're in a bad place, you just praise God. And I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. This process has helped me figure it out. <laughs> I can do this. I can go through this process. And in our culture, lamenting's weird. We don't have a culture that like, hey, let's lament together, you know? <laughs> it's, you know, it's not a part of our culture. In fact, quite often in American culture, even church culture, it's like, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and move forward and be positive, trust in the Lord, all the things we say, which are great things, but sometimes we need to get there somehow. And this has given me a way to find how can I give God glory and find beauty in my pain? Because you see in the end, this is the moral of the story of Holy Week. How does beauty come out of Jesus' pain and suffering? <laughs> because Jesus ascribed all glory and honor to his Father. He did this because God wanted to restore us to him. Jesus' pain and suffering brings about beauty far more than we can imagine. I can't imagine his pain, his sorrow. I can't imagine. But it brings out even more beautiful things. Jesus experienced great pain. But he brought about even greater beauty than that pain. See, when glory is ascribed to God in, despite our disappointment in the garden betrayal by a friend, isolation and loneliness because everyone has left you, physical pains of beatings and crucifixion, and then death, the beauty is salvation and hope restored in the power of the resurrection. There's pain and sorrow in Monday, Thursday, and in Good Friday. And then beauty is revealed as we lament on Holy Saturday. And then on Easter Sunday, the resurrection power changes everything. And so you see the last three things up on the screen. The gospel message what I believe this story is about is beauty comes out of pain. Glory ascribed, beauty revealed, hope restored. These three things are actually our three main key um, phrases for our arts ministry. And I believe it is a clear picture here in the Holy Week story. When glory is ascribed to God, in the midst of our pain and suffering, in the midst of where we're at, 
When glory is ascribed to God, his beauty will be revealed. And that beauty revealed to us brings hope and restoration. It is something that is an ongoing process. And I love the fact that this restoration process that God is doing in each one of us doesn't stop on a certain day or kind of get used up. But instead, it's continual as in my life, I continue to ascribe glory to God. As I continue to do that, he will continue to reveal his beauty. He will continue to restore hope. In our salvation, the day we accepted Christ or however that looks to you, hope was restored. But it doesn't end there because God is restoring all of creation and we are partnering with him in that. Romans 8, 18, 25 gives a beautiful picture of this. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pale pains of childbirth right up until the present time. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he's promised us, when pain and suffering and sorrow will be gone. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. This is the beauty that comes out of pain. The gospel message, the story of Holy Week, is the restoration of all of creation. What truth have I found in the story of Holy Week? Then in my pain and suffering, I become more like Jesus. And when I allow that pain and suffering to bring glory to God just as Jesus did, God reveals his great beauty and faithfulness and healing to me. And my hope is restored. My Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday of pain and sorrow changes to Holy Saturday where God reveals beauty to me as I come before him and I lament and I seek him. And in the end, hope is restored and I have my own resurrection Sunday again. This is the truth found in the story of Holy Week. Beauty comes out of pain. It allows me to say, I have experienced great pain, but I have seen even greater beauty. And this beauty revealed and this hope restored isn't just for us, not just for me, not just for you, it's for everyone. And so we come full circle. Jesus' mission to bring beauty out of pain becomes our mission as well. We can say this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. 
To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Our stories that include pain and sorrow can restore hope to others. And when they see us ascribe glory to God and see God's beauty beauty revealed in us, hope can be restored for them too. It can allow us all to be taught and then transformed and to live differently. In essence, we become the walking, talking, storytelling masterpieces of beauty that restore hope to others. So we're gonna conclude a little early today because I want you to participate in something. I want to give you the opportunity this morning because I don't wanna leave you in the middle of your pain and suffering and not give you an opportunity to lament. So we're gonna spend a little bit of time this morning lamenting. The worship team is gonna play a song and I really wanna encourage you during that time to take a moment to lament. Some of you might have received a piece of paper like this, and if you don't have one and you want one, there's actually some over here by the cross on the corner of the platform. I would encourage you to take this piece of paper out, and I'm encouraging you to use this piece of paper for a reason you'll see next week. And write something on here. You don't have to go through all five steps if you don't want to. (laughs) Maybe it's just a word or phrase. Find where you're at, because I'm sure you connected with one of these areas of pain and sorrow. And I'm just asking you to write it down. And then at some point in the song, to just come and lay it over here by the cross. Because instead of dwelling on it and holding on to it, we're gonna set it down and we're gonna sing and give praise to God this morning. We're gonna give him glory because he brings beauty out of pain. And next Sunday when you come back, my arts team is gonna do something that maybe visualizes that for you. So we're gonna sing, and when they're finished with this song and you've had some time to reflect, I'm gonna come back up, and then we'll close all together. I wanna encourage you that if you're still going through this process to keep going. We're gonna continue in worship in a moment. But I just would like to say this. This week is Holy Week. Don't let it pass you by as just another week because it's the week we remember and celebrate the greatest story ever told. And yeah. (laughs) Allow yourself this week to learn from it, to be transformed by it, to inspire you to live differently. Maybe take time this week to lament and share the story with those around you so that their hope can be restored too. I'm gonna pray in a moment and after that the worship team is gonna continue to pray or play. And if you can stay for at least one more song, allow that song to continue the process for you. This idea of laying down that lament and just continue to worship, to give praise and glory to God for bringing beauty out of your pain. This is the process that reveals beauty to us, 
and restores our hope. And for those of you who maybe have never even accepted Jesus, the story that I told today is the reason we all have hope. Maybe you've never found that hope. Maybe you're in pain and suffering and you don't even know what I'm talking about. I want to encourage you. I'm going to ask people to worship. I'm going to ask if you want to come down and worship down here and praise God down here. But if that's you today and you're in pain and suffering and you haven't had beauty revealed and you haven't found hope and you don't know Jesus, this is the best week ever to get to know him. Today is the best day. And I would encourage you to come down as well. Find one of the pastors or other people here who are willing to pray with you, myself. And we would like to tell you about how God can restore your hope and show you beautiful, beautiful things. Let's pray. My God, you are amazing. You are so wonderful. Words can't even express how great and glorious you are. And Lord, we, we all have felt pain and sorrow and suffering in our lives. And, and today, we might be here in a place of disappointment or betrayal or loss or loneliness or physical pain. And we come before you and we're trusting you. We're trusting that like in the past and in scripture, and in this story, you will come. So could you help us? Could you reveal your beauty to us? Could you take away the pain and sorrow? Could you restore our hope? Because we praise you for the great and glorious God you are. We give you glory this morning, not because you can do stuff for us, but because you're God. You loved us so much, you sent Jesus to die for us so that we could have restoration with you. And even greater, we praise you because you're continuing to restore all of creation. And you're letting us be a part of that process. Thank you so much. We love you. Amen. Stay and come down and worship if you can.